Welcome to Ulrig Observations, a series of short podcasts by Castletown Heritage Society, exploring the social history and heritage of the village of Castletown and the parish of Ulrig in Caithness, Scotland. Episode 12, the 1847 Corn Riot at Castle Hill Harbour. It was April of 1847. Castle Hill Harbour had been accustomed to maritime activity for 20 years, with two masted ships arriving with various cargoes, coal, timber, flour, and leaving with flagstone and sometimes agricultural produce. Castle Hill was popular because of its harbour mouth boom, which could be dropped down at high tide and allowed loading to continue despite falling water levels outside as the tide changed. On this occasion, however, According to the John O'Groat Journal, a crowd of several hundreds had gathered to watch the Leith-based smack, the Fisher, moored at the quayside, ready to be loaded with corn. She had been hired by local landowner William Sinclair of Freswick to transport a load of grain for the South Market. But something was afoot. The crowd surged forward some armed with sticks and bludgeons, boarding the vessel and threatening the captain, while others rushed to lift the boom and force the ship to leave. A wave of voices rose in anger and frustration. The mate of the fisher drew a knife in defence of his crewmates and was violently attacked and thrown to the deck. Alerted by the fracas, Mr George Trail MP and his dinner guest Sheriff James Gregg looked down from the terrace of Castle Hill House upon the scene and in vain tried to reason with the insurgents. In the end, orders were given to disperse or else troops would be involved. This too provoked little reaction. Then the word came that the injured mate had in fact died and at once the crowd fled. At around 1am, Mr Trail summoned his household staff and had the boom replaced at the harbour mouth. The badly injured mate, no, he hadn't died, was brought on shore for treatment and the crew was dismissed. Next day, a host of protesters were seen approaching the harbour across Dunnet Sands, preceded by a banner and the blaring of a horn. By this time, it was known that Mr Trail had sent to Thurso for additional forces and to Wick for help from the authorities there. Ultimately, little damage was done to persons or property, but the protesters did manage to fill the cargo hold of the fisher with sand to prevent grain from being loaded. The John O'Groat Journal commented, that such an outbreak should take place in a rural district like Castletown and Dunnet is remarkable and cannot be justified by any good reason. As a result of the uprising, two Castletown men were sentenced to 15 months imprisonment. But perhaps even more devastating was the punishment meted out by landowner Sinclair of Freswick 
incensed by the subordination of some of his tenant crofters at Dunnet in taking action against his business activities, he issued eviction orders against six of them and their families. A crofter is described as a small tenant farmer with no lease on their land, which in Dunnet amounted to five acres on average. They were dependent on the land for occupation, earnings and subsistence. The local minister, the Reverend Peter Jolly, wrote to Fresick, expressing his dismay at his action, pointing out that the victims would be reduced to poverty and starvation. The main sufferers would be the 26 young children in these families, not to mention the disabled and infirm dependents. The Reverend Jolly was courageous in writing to Freswick, as he had been appointed to his church position by Freswick himself as landowner. He did not reply. He then appealed to Mr James Henderson, the Procurator Fiscal of Wick, suggesting a year's delay might allow the tenants to make other arrangements. But the incident at Castletown was not the spontaneous action of a few hotheads. It didn't come out of the blue. In fact, its causes were rooted in national issues of social and economic importance. The failure of the potato crop over the last three years had deprived poor families of their staple food all over the country, including the north of Scotland, reducing many to near starvation. At the same time, the price of corn as a commodity was fluctuating wildly, leaving producers to gauge the best time to sell before prices plummeted. Mr George Trail and Sinclair of Fresic among them. According to the John O'Groat Journal, Mr Trail had sufficient corn stored in the corn mill at Castle Hill for export and also for local distribution. The suggestion was that Sinclair of Fresic was depriving his tenants of food while filling his own pockets by exporting corn for profit. Within the Dunnet Crofters households were at least two young, recently discharged soldiers. Did they help organise the uprising? Did they blow the horn or the bugle to rally the crofters to cross the sands? Furthermore, such uprisings were becoming quite common. Food riots, sometimes known as meal mobs, had flared up in Peterhead, Inverness, Aberdeen, Och, Granton and Spey, Evanton, Thurso and Wick. This last involved armed troops. My guess is that Mr Trail had got wind of the local unrest and had invited Sheriff Gregg to be there as a witness. The Trails were known as employers of many men in the flagstone works and on their farms. Wages were fairly steady and by and large the family was known as caring and compassionate landlords. When James Trail died, his will showed that many tenants' rent arrears had been written off after 25 years. William James John Alexander Sinclair of Fresic had been brought up with a different attitude to tenants. 
he had inherited his extensive lands from his father at the age of 15. He is described as having natural abilities, but being of delicate health. He hoped to go into politics as a conservative. In 1835, his father had caused much anger and disbelief among neighbouring landowners when he evicted tenants from his Dunbeath estate in order to make way for more lucrative sheep, an example of the Highland clearances in Caithness. The Crofters protested that the families had lived there for generations and that they had always paid the rent by selling cattle they raised on the Crofts. Some 107 families, that is several hundred individuals, were obliged to move out. The Sinclairs of Fresic were representative of many landowners who wielded huge power over the welfare and security of their tenants. Depending on their own character, this could have dire results. Politically, becoming aware that the potato famine and the slump in corn prices was destabilising trade and industry, not to mention society itself, the government repealed the Bank Act, allowing funds from its coffers to be used to address the problem. Employment schemes were set up, like the one to build a road from Wick to Nosshead Lighthouse. But what of the Dunnett Crofters? It's hard to be accurate, but the 1851 census suggests that one found a croft on the trail estate, one had left the area perhaps as a seaman, and the others were back on their crofts in Westside, Dunnet. Sinclair of Fresic died at the family seat in Dunbeath Castle at the age of 31. If you would like to find out more about Castletown Heritage Society, the village of Castletown or the parish of Ulrich, visit our website www.castletownheritage.co.uk.